Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Last week, I started with a story um, about uh, an eagle. The eagle was raised among chickens in a farm. And for a long time, the eagle behaved like a chicken, walked like a chicken, talked like a chicken, quacked like a chicken, you know, was a chicken. And then, one day, a farmer came and saw it. He said, this is not a chicken. This is an eagle. So took it out from among the chickens and took it to a high place and told it to fly. And then the eagle, because of fear, didn't want to die, just spread his wings. I just tried. and just saw that it started to fly and soar. It became itself. And the moral of the story is this. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, all of us, we find ourselves defined by where we are brought up from, where we, uh, you know, where uh, the associations that we have had, the places where we have been, we have defined our identity based on some wrong benchmarks. Uh, We have allowed ourselves to be defined by our past. We have allowed ourselves to be defined by our natural heritage, just us. We have allowed ourselves to be defined by our skin colors. We have allowed ourselves to be defined by our nationalities. We have allowed ourselves to be defined by where we have been or what we have experienced in the past. So when you meet people, when they want to introduce themselves, have you heard people, when you want to introduce themselves, they say, when you say, tell me about, tell me about yourself, uh, we'll say things like, I work at this place. Now, that's not your identity. I work at so-so-and-so place, or I have this degree, or I was born at so-so-and-so. Now, I'm not saying that your natural heritage is not part of your identity, But what I'm saying is that whatever identity you identify with, you are going to take on its strength and its weaknesses. And many of these things that we we hold on so, so dearly, they have limitations. There are some things that they cannot do and some places they can't get to. There's a superior identity which we need to identify with, and that's who we are in Christ. You know, Paul was so strong about this thing, and it's one of those things that you need to understand when you read the epistles of Paul. It was so strong that he made a statement. He said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, any longer. He said, but all are one in Christ. He said, but a new creation. I love that. He said, but what? The new creation. 
but the new creation. So I just want to tell you, it's not that we should, we should be, uh, we deny our skin colors. Come on, be proud of it, you know. Be, be white and proud, be black and proud. Amen. So be, whatever it is, be, be proud of it. God made you that way. God is not colorblind. God is a God of variety. Amen. God is a God of variety. There's nothing. Just look into nature. You will see. Go into the animal kingdom. Go under the sea. Go everywhere. God go, plants, flowers, and all that. God created all kinds of variety because that's just part of his nature. It, it's, boring, it's boring to have just one kind. Just one kind is boring. So God is so vast and creative that he created all kinds. And now all kinds are mixing up together and all that, creating even more kinds. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what God wants. So don't say God is colorblind. No, that's a, that's a statement that God, God is not colorblind. God deliberately created variety because he loves it. So everyone in God's creation, red or yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight. Amen? Everyone. All things bright and beautiful. All creatures, great and small. All things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. Now, because of the sin nature that came in as a result of Adam's fall, our differences, the differences that were supposed to be part of the expression of God's strength, and I suppose that we're supposed to collaborate with because of the nature of sin became the reasons for our division. Our differences became our division. So you see black, I mean tall people, you know, and short people. So we have short lives matter. Amen. I know it was a different one in Rwanda. In Rwanda, the genocide, it was tall lives matter. Because the Tutsi, right? They were the tall people. You know, and then they came against all the tall people. So tall lives matter. And I need to complain about this. In city praise, they discriminate against people like me. So there's a new hashtag. All voices matter. Right? <laughs> All voices. No discrimination. Okay. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? What I'm trying to tell you is that we can go on and on. You understand? And then there's gender. Right? There's, I mean, just all kinds of things. That those who are light, you know, lighter skin color, darker skin colors. Then there's the rich, there's the poor. There's so much division. But the genius of God. And one of the things that attracted the, the, the first, the early centuries to the church, the church of Jesus Christ, was that they saw a group of people that had slaves and masters, based on the economic system of those days. They had slaves and masters. They had, um, what do you call it? Living in the same household, like in the same meetings, right? They had Greek, Jew, they had all kinds of people in there. And for some reason, they were all still working together. Now, not that they didn't have their challenges. They had their challenges. But people like Paul and all that, they kept on emphasizing this thing. that Rather than us emphasizing our differences, why don't we talk about the new creation? Why don't we talk about the new creation? I'm telling you, guys, listen. The way we are going to solve the problem of race, 
and division in this country is not by everybody retreating to their own corners. The way we're going to solve it is that we are going to have to proclaim the new creation. We're going to have to proclaim the new creation. Amen. Where in the new creation, there is neither male nor female. Please project that scripture for me. I'm looking for neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, but the new creation. We're going to have to proclaim that. And first of all, it has to start from your own heart. You have to know who you are. You have to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Stop seeing yourself like a chicken. Start seeing yourself like the eagle that you have been created to be. Everybody say after me, say, I am a new creation. So I'm just going to quickly review what I spoke about, about our identity. Remember, I told you these things that I'm showing you, you don't have to do anything now to become them. That's who you are. I'm just reminding you, you are an ego. That's all. We're just from scripture. So just accept it and begin to acknowledge them. Just begin to acknowledge them. You see, the key to in Christ is in Philemon. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. And interested? Okay, good. Let's read down for this. No longer. I must say no longer. Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are what? Another one says for you are, but not, none, of this, not, none of this matter, but the new creation. There's another one that talks about, you are one in this one, but then another passage says, but what? The new creation. Amen. So that's all that matters right now. The new creation is all that matters. So now. So Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. I like the NKJV. The Philemon, Philemon 1, 6. And you, you guys should read the book of Philemon. It's a very interesting book. It's a, it's a one-chapter book. And it was about a slave that escaped from his master. And then the slave escaped from the master, right? The, na the, name, of the, the name of this name is Onesimus, right? So Onesimus escaped from the master and met Paul. Met Paul on the missionary journey. And Paul says, you know what, go back to your master. Then Paul now wrote a letter to the master because Paul was also one of those people that had influenced the master in the faith. So Paul said, I'm writing a letter to you, um, you know, Philemon, as a brother in Christ. I'm writing to you because you owe me something. <laughs> he said, you owe me something. You know, and so accept this man not no longer as a slave, but now as your brother in Christ. Paul, was, Paul, Paul told him that. Then Paul got to this point. He says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of what? Every good thing which is in you. In what? Everybody say, my faith becomes more effective. Becomes more active productive. It works when I begin to acknowledge every good thing that is in me, in Christ. Do you get it? So the key is the what? Acknowledgement of it. The acknowledgement of it is the key. You have to start talking like that. Start talking like an eagle and stop talking like a chicken. Start talking like that. I told you about the transformation that began in my own life when I began to change my speech and forcefully forced myself to start saying these things, it creates realities in you. It will create the reality when you start saying it. So you, you can't just listen to it. You have to say it until it dawns on you 
And then you begin to see these things as your identity. You rise above the natural definitions of your past on all this stuff. And you rise to the new definition of who you are in Christ. So number one, we talked about it last week. The first one is you are born again and what? Alive. You are born again and alive. That's number one. You are born again. So meaning that when you came into Christ, you began a new life. I've taught this, so I am not going to go over them again. You are born again and what? And alive. Alive. Somebody say, I am born again. So you have, where's your citizenship now? You never say, I have heavenly citizenship. You're not saying it boldly. Say, I have a heavenly citizenship. So I can enter heaven. And I can bring a portion of heaven to the earth. You know, if you're an American citizen and you go to another country, you can bring a portion of the American culture to that place, right? Right? And if you're an ambassador, as you will say, you represent the kingdom that you, are, you have a citizenship in, in the place where you live. You guys need to know that you are, the, you are the demonstrator and distributor of heaven on earth. Somebody said after me, say, I'm the purveyor of heaven on earth. I'm the demonstrator of heaven on earth. Because that's where I come from. You know, can't deny that's where I come from. You see me now, I'm speaking my Nigerian accent. Because that's where I'm from. Man, right? Naturally. But I'm from heaven, so I speak with a heavenly accent in the spirit. I speak like the Holy Ghost. Amen. I speak heavenly language. I speak like heaven. Because that's where I'm from. That's where my citizenship is. I'm a man from another world. I'm an alien in this world. I'm an alien in this world. I carry a passport that is superior to the passports of this world. And that passport can enter the very throne room of God. Heavenly immigration officers will part way once they see my passport. And it's called the name of Jesus. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. For all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I carry that name. I have access to the very throne room. I have access to the Father at every point in time, day or night, to make my request. Because I have a heavenly passport. I'm born again. I'm born again. Yeah, right? I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm born again. So don't be afraid to enter heaven. You know? You get what I'm saying? You know the way you do, all of you, you know, American citizens, when you get to the airport and you're coming, right? And there's a line. They say, citizens, this side, and permanent resident. Aliens, this side. Right? You see how confident you walk? <laughs> and you look at those ones who are, you know, who are aliens, like, you know, they are some, you know, you know, those guys, you know, they don't have just walked there. And God bless any of the immigration officers that says you can't enter. Then you sue in the heavenly, you could sue in the courts. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? That's how you should walk into heaven. You are the righteousness. We already talked about that, right? You know, you walk into heaven that way. Walk into prayer that way. Stop crawling into prayer. Stop crawling into prayer. There's a difference between humility and what we call humility. You see, umbility is a self, you know, I don't know, that word might not be in the dictionary, but we created it. 
the Bible calls it false humility. False humility is when you are ascribing to yourself what God has not ascribed to you. Humility is when you are defining yourself the way God defines you, even if it lifts you up. Amen. Even if, even if what God says you are seated in the heavenly realm, when you accept that, that's humility because you are humbling yourself under what God says, not just your feeling and just your religion. Religion has taught you that you have to crawl and say that that is not true humility. Jesus was never like that. Father, I know you always hear me. Paul was never like that. So we need to know what is the true definition of, of what humility is. Hallelujah. Are you guys getting it? So don't come and don't come to me and start to do some piety and all that. I've been there. I've done it before, so I know it. I wore the, I wear the t-shirt. I was one of those religious people that you know you will you'll be behaving like you know, you know, crawling on the ground and all that, but inside your heart you are proud. And you be they tell you this, and you you put no no, that's not me. You know, I'm just a worm, you know. Like, you know, I'm just a whatever. But inside of you, you know, and all that. You know, I was one of those. I know your tricks. <laughs> because I did it. Don't, I don't, I'm not impressed with it. I'm more, you see, God, and I said, you know, I'm more impressed with somebody who knows who they are, and then they are meek. Meekness is strength under control, not, not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. You know who you are. But then you now come under control. That is true humility. Stop behaving like God has not defined you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. Somebody getting it? You know, people are so, you know, let, let, me, let me move on. And you know, I told you, I'm going to take this thing slowly because I think it, this is one of the key things, you know, key things that we need, you know, or that we need to get. So I'm going to take it. So, People are trying, humility is when you accept what Christ has done. False humility is when you are trying to do it yourself. Just accept what he has done. You are, you are born again. Somebody say, I'm born again. Number two, are you guys ready? <laughs> All right. So, some confidence. What's number two? You are what? A completed what? New creation. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. You are a completed new creation. You are complete. You are a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is or she is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. God made you a new creation, a species that has never existed before. Hallelujah. You are new. You know, I'm repeating what I taught. You are what? Everybody say, I'm righteous. Number three. I am what? Look up, everybody. This thing of, this thing of righteousness. You know, you, know, you ask people, I say, are you righteous? Let me see. How many of you are righteous in this place? Lift up your hand. You know, people will say, you know, the Bible says, there is none righteous. No, not one. How many of you have heard that before? There is none righteous. No, not one. Then they forget to read the next verse and the next chapter. Paul, in the book of Romans, was trying to establish how we became righteous. So he started by talking about the state of the world. The fact that nobody in the world could ever be righteous by themselves. 
So he concluded, he said, like it was said, there's no one righteous, no one. All of us have gone astray. All of us are gone. But then, he now goes on to say, being justified freely by his grace. All he was trying to say then was that none of us could achieve it. But now, because of what Christ has done, we're now righteous. You know, I love this Romans chapter 12 verse, is it Romans? Romans chapter 10 verse 3. Romans chapter 10 verse 3. It says, he talked about his people. Let's start from verse 1. He said, they have, ze- they, have, they have zeal, but they don't have knowledge. He was talking about Israel. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Let's go on. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God. There's a difference between zeal, hey, oh, you know, religious zeal, but not according to knowledge. A lot of people have religious zeal and all that, but they don't, uh, there's no knowledge. Not according to God's knowledge. Well, how did he say? He said, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, they are seeking to establish their own righteousness. But they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Humility is you submitting to the righteousness of God, not trying to establish it yourself. I can never be righteous by myself, so I'd rather, rather just take righteousness offered to me. Everybody say, I submit to the righteousness of God. I submit to it. I submit to God's righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, just whether I feel like it or not. I submit to God's righteousness. You know, Paul going again in Galatians, you know, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Why are you trying to set aside God's grace and try to establish it yourself? That is pride. Humility is take it. Accept it. He gave it to you. Don't throw his gift back at him. Righteousness is not an accomplishment. That's, you see, the moment righteousness becomes a personal accomplishment, then you can be proud. Do you get what I'm saying? Then I can be prouder than you. I can come and meet you and say, you know what, you are not righteous, I'm righteous, because you know what, I worked for it, and you didn't work for it. Righteousness is not a salary. Righteousness is not a reward. Righteousness is a gift. That's why nobody can be proud. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, then therefore, Romans chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 17, please get it for me. So that sin... Re- 17, 17, 17, 17. It said, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through life, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of what? The gift of righteousness will reign in life. True one, Jesus Christ, our reigning in life is through Jesus Christ, not through ourselves. Righteousness is a gift. You don't work for a gift. The moment you have to work for it, it is a reward. And then you can be proud. But no man can glory in his presence. No man can glory in his... No man can be proud in his presence. Because we all receive the same free gift of righteousness. I'm no more righteous than you. Guys, Jesus is not more righteous than you. 
because you receive Jesus' righteousness. You are as righteous as God and as righteous as Jesus. You know, I'm, I know I'm knocking some religious head in this place. That's the way I also felt when I was first hearing these things in those days. It's my religious head was like, oh, 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 But the more I studied the word, I saw that, oh, this is true. I am God's righteousness. I'm as righteous as Jesus because Jesus is my righteousness. I don't need to do anything to become righteous anymore. I don't need, you cannot increase in your righteousness. You cannot grow in your righteousness. Amen. You cannot decrease in your righteousness. Righteousness is a state. You can say, I just increased in my citizenship now of the U.S. I mean, you can't, you know, you can increase in the effect of your righteousness, in the doing of your righteousness, but you cannot increase in the state of your righteousness, not decrease in the state of your righteousness. You are either a U.S. citizen or not a U.S. citizen. You, can, you may not walk in the fullness of the benefit of your righteousness or walk in the fullness of the manifestation of your righteousness, but that doesn't change, you as righteous, change the fact that you are as righteous as Jesus. And the way to start walking in it is first of all the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement, the acknowledgement of who you are in Christ. Everybody say after me with joy, I am righteous and I submit to it. Say, I know what I did last night and this last week, but I am righteous and I submit to it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5.21, sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might become or be made the righteousness of God. Him, him. I'm righteous. Lorenzo, say I'm righteous. You're righteous. You're a righteous guy. You're a good guy. You're righteous. You're righteous. Amen. I know sometimes you act unrighteous, but you're righteous. You're righteous. Be conscious of it, and then you start doing more of the righteousness. You start having the effect of the righteousness, the manifestation of the righteousness. Paul said, I wake to righteousness and sin not. Say, know you know yourself. I wake to it. Come on, come alive to your righteousness. I'm righteous. I'm as bold as a lion. Romans chapter 28, verse, I've said Proverbs 28, verse 1. The righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm confident in God's presence. I'm justified. Oh, someone, play something for me. I, I, I feel like doing, you know. I, I, I'm justified, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am just, you know, tipfied. You know, whenever you see fied, or sorry, hide, that means, you know, you got into that state, you know. Sancti. Amen. Ah, I am just. I am now be made just. I'm a just man. I'm a just man. I'm a just man. I'm a man whose spirit is in alignment with God. Hallelujah. Now I got to get my mind to be in alignment and I got to get my body to be in alignment, but my spirit is in alignment with God. I'm justified. How many of you know that thing in Microsoft Word, right? When you're trying to change, you know, left align, center align, which one is justified? You know that one, that all the edges will be straight. You are straight. 
You are justified. Stop acting like you are left aligned. Or right aligned. Or center aligned. You are justified. Romans 3.24 Being justified with a lot of money. Being justified with a lot of bowing. Being justified with a lot of prayer. Being justified with a lot of tithing. Being justified with a lot of service in church. Being justified with a lot of... No, being justified what? Freely! Freely! By his grace. Through the redemption that is in... It's free! If you are struggling with sin, believe it. You are righteous. That is how your freedom comes. You are! You are! You are an eagle, not a chicken. You are righteous. Rise up and soar with your righteousness. Just change your company. Change your outlook. Change your belief. And then it will start happening. You are sanctified. D, you are sanctified. Another way I like to say it is, you are saint, sanctified. You are a saint. You see, I, I grew up in the Catholic church. Before you can become a saint, oh man, you have to have died, perform a miracle after you have died, and then they will come. What's the name of that ceremony called? Now they will clear the what's the name of that ceremony again? Joaquin, we were dead now. Tell me. Yes, exactly. Yes. So then they will now call you Saint Francis of Assisi. But uh now the word saint means the sanctified one, the separated one. Ever say the separated one. That's what it just means. Saint, you know. I'm saint. I'm separated to God. I'm separated to a purpose. You don't need to die to become a saint. You don't need men to make you a saint. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Chicago, to them that are sanctified in, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be Come to me and all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus, our Lord, both theirs and ours. You are sanctified. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Such were some of you. So, first of all, in verse 10, go to verse 10. Verse 10. He first of all told, told us all the kind of things that they used to call us, all the kind of designation that we had before. So, this was you. Let's start from verse 9. This is what you wear. And some people still call themselves those things right now because of what they do. He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Ever say fornicators? That's their signature. Their signature. Idolaters. Adulterers. Homosexuals. Sodomites. Thieves. Covetous. Drunkards. Revilers. Extortioners, 419, 
you know, whatever you, whatever, there are plenty. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. And such were what? I say, such were what? Such were what? I must say, past. Say, past. And such were what? But you are what? You are what? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing flood? Win the blood. Where's Solomon when I need him? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah! In the blood. In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless as the white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah, I'm washed. I'm washed. I've been to the laundry. I've gone through the dryer. And I've come out. But what was used to watch me was not tied. Amen. It was the precious blood of Jesus. If the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse me to make me sanctified, then what can guys what, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white as Nothing but the blood of cannot wash you. Killing yourself and beating yourself up cannot wash you. Trying to do penance cannot wash you. Only one thing can wash and that is Jesus. That is the blood of Jesus. And if you have been under that flood, hallelujah, if you have been under that flood, you are cleansed. You are sanctified. You are a saint. Hallelujah. You are separated from this world. You are clean from all unrighteousness. You are God's special possession set aside for special use. You are washed in the blood. See, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So refuse to accept all those appellations and designations. And start identify yourself as the sanctified one of Christ. Can I get a witness from the saints in Chicago? If you are watching me online, can I get a witness from the saints in that nation? Hallelujah! I'm a saint. Call me Saint Gregory the Great. Amen. That's where I was named after anyway. So, Saint Gregory the Great. The reformer. Amen. 
You are the blessed seed of Abraham. You are the blessed seed of Abraham. Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. So let You are the keys to help you. Come on, sing it. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let us praise the Lord. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, having become a curse for me. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. That's the blessing of Abraham. Might come upon the Gentiles, myself, that didn't know God. In Pakbashafa, Lagos, Nigeria. Might become. That's in Christ Jesus, that I might be, I might receive the promise of the Spirit. Because I am now a child of Abraham, I am I can now receive the promise of the Spirit that God promised Abraham. Hallelujah. Oh, you guys are not excited about us. Here I am. Galatians 3:29. Everybody read it together. Galatians 3:29. And if you are if you are Christ, Galatians 3 29. Want to go? And if then what? Yeah, according to the promise. I say I'm Abraham's seed. So you, see, you ask yourself, say, what's special about being Abraham's seed? What's special about it? What it means is that you have now been engrafted into a new lineage. You've been engrafted into the lineage of faith, into the lineage of the covenant. You now have a covenant with God. You now have access to supernatural assistance and blessing to help you to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. There was one time in Luke chapter 13, verse 16, show it for me. Jesus saw a woman, and this woman, Jesus saw this woman bent down. Go, go back to verse 15. Go to verse 15. This woman was bent for many years. Uh, I think we can go up to like 13 so that we can get the whole story. So this woman was bent and she couldn't move herself for many years. Go to 13th or 12th. Okay. 11. 11. 10. There was a woman. Yes. 
who had a spirit, pay attention to me, she had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. How many of you have been in a situation where you try to raise yourself up and you can't? Raise up yourself financially, no. Raise up yourself in your calling, no. Bent over. And Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Just like Jesus sees you. And he said to her, Woman! You are loosed. No. Not woman, you will be loosed. No, woman. Try to be loosed. Not woman, you may be loosed. No woman. News. Let me announce to you. You are loosed. You just didn't know. You are an eagle. You just didn't know. You are loosed. You are loosed. So you are loosed from your infirmities. Look at it. Now what happened? You see the reason why she was loosed. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. Justified. And she glorified God. Then verse 14 is explanation. Explanation. But when the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, that's the religious people. The religious people start saying, I'm righteous, I'm straight, and whatever. They say, like, oh, no, you have been proud. Those are the religious people. Make sure you are not the ruler of the synagogue. With indignation, because Jesus had either of the Sabbath. And he said to the calf, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, the Lord then answered and said, hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and leave it away to the water? So ought not this woman be what? A daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. Think of it for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Listen, if you are a child of Abraham, there are some things that ought not to be. There are some things that ought to be. You are, you have to be free. You ought to be free. You just need to begin to declare, I'm a child of Abraham and this is not right. Somebody say, say, I'm a child of Abraham. This is not right. This does not look like the blessing of Abraham. This does not look like Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first part. This does not look like it. This ministry does not look like it. This family does not look like it. This body does not look like it. Therefore, I know that this is not the truth. The truth is that I'm a child of Abraham and I claim my inheritance. I claim my heritage right now. I am loose. I am free. I am standing. I am rising in the name of Jesus. Children of Abraham need to be loose and free and not bound. Hallelujah. Is somebody getting blessed this, this morning, afternoon? What after? Hallelujah. Let me, let me give you a, a couple more before you know, I stop today. You are a priest and a king. You are what? A priest and what? And a king. Somebody say, I'm a priest. I'm a king. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And now has made us. Ever say made us. 
made us. We didn't make ourselves, made us. You see, I didn't usurp the kingship. I didn't plan a coup to become a king. I didn't win a political race to become a king. I was ordained as a king, crowned as a king, coronated as a king and as a priest by God himself. For no man can take this honor unto himself, but him that is called by God, just like Aaron was called. You are a priest. You are a king. You are royalty. First Peter 2, 9. You are royalty. You are royalty. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's own special people. And what's the reason? So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm here to make God famous. I'm here to shine for him. I'm here to let people know that my father is great, my father is good, my father is holy, my father is blessed. I'm here to be a blessing to the city, to be a blessing to my world. That is how I exercise my kingship and my priesthood. Listen to me. If anybody is suffering in your family, you are a priest. A priest has the privilege of walking into the holiest and make intercession on behalf of those who cannot enter. Don't be bothered if your husband cannot pray. Don't be bothered if your wife cannot pray or your cousin or your sister or your mother or your father or your uncle. Don't be bothered if they can't get there. If you can get there, they have a representation. Go there before them and like a priest, Make a request before God. You see, one of the, the blessings of God that I say, I say, you know, I, there was a time my family was going through a lot. And I saw that revelation a long time ago. That one of the things that God does is that for every family, all he just needs is one light. If he can just find one person, eventually everybody will be touched. I sought for a man among them that will make up the edge. Then I found none. God will look for one. And if you are faithful as a priest, everybody will come under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. Be faithful there. Be faithful there. Be faithful there. Be faithful there. And God will turn your family around. When Abraham prayed for Lot, he was acting as a priest. When Rahab the prostitute. She met the spies. She, she helped the spies in the book of Joshua. She helped the spies. When they were going, she said, when you come back, I know you are going to take over Jericho. But when you come back, I'm praying for myself and my family. And they told her, they said, you put down this scarlet rope, throw it down, that you used to let us out. Anybody who is in your house, with you, your household, will not be touched. The scarlet rope is like the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ. When you come into a covenant with Jesus, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your household shall be saved. It's just a matter of time. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your teenager. Don't give up on them. You just keep praying for them. God is going to meet them. Be the priest that you are. You know, and sometimes you have, you have to step a little bit into another role which is kingship. You see, the king exercises authority. 
The Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. Sometimes in prayer, you don't need to beg anymore. You don't need to be making petition anymore. It's time to command. It's time to what? To command and to what? Demand. I said to command and to demand in the name of Jesus. You have to know when it's time to shift. So Moses was praying to God. You know, the, the Egyptians were coming after them. And then the Red Sea was in front of them. And then Moses was talking to God. God answered. God said, Moses, why are you standing there talking to me? Stretch forth your rod. This is not the time to pray. This is the time to command. This is the time to exercise authority. Sometimes you need to leave the place of praying to the place of authority and begin to command in the name of Jesus. Get out of my child. Get out of my family. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. Get out of my finances. Get out. You are a king. The scepter of your kingship is your righteousness. Romans 5, 17, we reign in life through righteousness and the abundance of grace. I want you to say after me, I'm a king in the realm of life. I have dominion. I reign in this life over the circumstances, over the situations, over the things of this world. I reign in the name of Jesus through the authority of Jesus Christ. That has been deputized unto me. I exercise authority. I refuse to be bound. I refuse to be held down. God's will, God's kingdom is fulfilled, is revealed in my world, heaven, on earth, in Jesus' name. Come on, rise up on your feet and let's celebrate God. Come on, let's celebrate God as a king that you are. As a priest that you are. Hallelujah. This is a company of priests and kings. I want you to know it, that you are a spiritual stone. Everybody say, I'm a spiritual stone. Everybody say, I'm a spiritual stone. You know, some people don't know. You know, I want to tell you two things before we go where you are standing. You are, let me say it this way. You are a mobile ark of the covenant. Everybody say, I'm a mobile ark of the covenant. I'll show you two things. First of all, uh, let's look at 1 Peter. We meditate on that and I'm going to end with that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, 5. Give me an LT. You say, you also have living stones. Everybody say, living stones. You are being built up. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. I want you to, I want this to dawn on you. Anytime you stand to pray, or you are tithing, or you are giving, or you are serving, I want you to go back into the Old Testament and just Remember that altar of sacrifice with the four horns. Remember that, that thing there, right? Remember that altar of sacrifice and see yourself actually becoming that now. You are now, but now you are living. You are alive. But you are now offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Amen. In thanksgiving, anytime you are praising, 
I want you to know that there is an aroma. There's a fragrance that flows from you whenever you worship. There's a fragrance that flows from you whenever you pray that ascends to the very nostrils of God. And it smells it and it looks down on you and his face shines upon you. You are a living stone. You are a living stone. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Go to G. You are the temple. That's what you know. Come on. You are the temple of what? Holy Spirit. First Corinthians three sixteen. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the gift, the Spirit of God, was in you? The word used for temple there, the word "kreos" in the Greek means shrine. It's a. You are like you are the place. You know, in those days they would go to the temple to worship to do whatever. You are now the mobile temple of God. Everybody say I'm the mobile temple. Every time you are carrying your body, whenever you are driving in your car, pat it and say, okay, calm down, slow down. You are carrying God. You are now God's permanent residential address. God now lives in you. He works in you. Hallelujah. He works in you. He talks through you. Your mouth has become his mouth. Your eyes have become his eyes that he sees the world through. Your entire body has become his pulpit. Your hand has become his hands. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. And when we come together, we become a bigger temple. Hello, temples. Hello, priests. Hello, fellow kings. Can you see the fragrance that is going to God right now? Lift up your hands, everybody, and let's just do some worship. Come on, let's worship Him. You know, let, let's just take a moment to worship. I'll stop, I'll stop with this. Let's, and then we're going to give our offerings after that. Let's just worship. Our city priest, please help me. You, you know, you are here. One of those songs that you sang. Again. Come on, let's just worship. Thanks for listening to The Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.